podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's okay. Finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Emerson Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunga Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs! Let's take it out of the way. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it, wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Oh wow, what a run! Jermaine Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our recording of the Touchline Hotspur pod. Um, it's feel it feels like it's been a long time since we've actually had any kind of real action. It's been weird watching these teams kind of play their football still in other certain finals. Some lost, we had some tears and some won. It is what it is. We still have a lot of things to talk about, so let's get into it. Sai, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed. Uh, for, for the listeners out there, I have a confession. I, I didn't hit record the first time, so we're having to start over again, um, which is a symptom of my, my tiredness, which is notorious for me. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm good. Happy to be here. Happy to uh, also have seen the tears and the sweat of our frenemies down the road. So I'm here to lap it up, mate. I'm well, well quenched. Uh, I'm not, I'm not too well versed in courtside, but I suppose you've probably been busy with courtside Freco as well, right? So yeah, here and there, here and there. Obviously, my team, the Brooklyn Nets, are doing well. So we're 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 happy times around here. So yeah. Spirits yeah. are up for one. I was listening to the main pod and obviously they were talking about basketball in there and I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I wonder if I should just message Sai on the slide and just be like, oh, are the, are the San Antonio Spurs any good? I might get into this. <laughs> Traditionally like they are, sport. to be fair, but they, they've, been, they've been bad the last two years. So, so yeah, oh, don't, no. don't support them. Glory hunt elsewhere, mate. It's not worth it. I don't know about glory hunting in sports, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm all right. uh, I actually expected a summer of depression because obviously Spurs had a rubbish season. Uh, Ryan Mason picking all his mates, and then on the basketball side of it, my team um, got absolutely airbrushed out of the playoffs. Um, the Miami Heat. So I thought, you know, this is it. 
was going to have to endure watching everyone else's success. But Spurs are doing the, their best to kind of keep me going. Um, and we're going to get into um, the, the rumours about our good friend, Antonio, um, returning to London. You know, because everyone wants to live in London. Ah, uh, boy. My fellow Whig brother. Um, <laughs> man, I respect it. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, boy, so we've obviously had quite a bit of a stir recently on the timeline and our fans. Um, I just had a round of thought as well. Do you remember when um, Mason, for the rival fans, which may not have seen this, like Mason got a lot of stick for playing Eric DA, even though he's making mistake after mistake, and then he's pictured going on holiday with him, private oh. jet, <laughs> ladies in hand, and you're just like, okay, but we've made the right decision moving on and uh, not appointing um not appointing the caretaker like certain others. Fair with a friend manager. <laughs> but yeah, so there's been a lot of impatience um, among our fan base. So a lot of concern. I think it kind of stemmed from a lot of uh, tier one sources uh, suggesting that we were going to make our move and we had a name which we were going to appoint before the end of the season, right? And so everyone's licking their lips and then the timeline follows on. Less than a week later, Sky are reporting that we're in for Roberto Martinez. We're like, oh, hold on. And um, then we get the stat which comes out saying uh, it's been 45-something days. I mean, the days go on. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be Saturday, so it'll be over 50 days. Um, if we haven't appointed a manager since we have appointed or since we've had a manager, and which has been the longest spell for any top club. Um, firstly, Sai, what, what are your thoughts on that? Are you um, getting impatient at all? Are you concerned about that stat in any way? I'm not concerned at all. I'm more concerned with the uh, reaction of some of our brethren who um, took the bait on that one. Um, the whole the whole statistic was just devoid of any context. And when you get into that territory, Grumpy Sai comes out. So uh, the, the the group chat got a little bit uh, got a little bit more more spicy for me. Um, just to put it into context, like the the clubs in reference, realistically, or what Chelsea. Arsenal and Manchester United. Obviously, Chelsea tend not to uh, wait around when firing and appointing managers. And obviously, Tuchel has done a fantastic job, so they're out of that equation. But if we look at our mates down the road, uh, the Guna boys, I'm pretty sure they would have hoped that they waited a little bit longer because they went from caretaker to supply teacher in quick succession. So, Mikel Arteta's appointment... If we if we followed suit and did something hasty like that, um, I'd be pretty pissed off more more so than I would be if we dilly dallied a little bit and ended up getting a a Conte for example. Um, outside of that, if we're if we're looking at Manchester United, they hired their caretaker. So again, that shortened the time frame. And I mean, he's he's doing well this season, um, but I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, Manchester United fans would have again preferred them to go for a more established or higher profile manager. So I think patience is a virtue. And for me, as long as we do the right business, I don't really care how long it really takes, providing it's done before before the Euros kicks off, just so we can start the ball rolling on some of the decisions. Exactly that. Um, I do like I do get um, certain points made by, obviously, people who have been impatient because... I mean, there is still a lot of work to do, right? And uh, the longer we leave it, the the less time we have to 
essentially clear out Deadwood to work on the team, style of play, etc., etc. Uh, Dave, our, our resident coach, <laughs> and yeah, you appreciate the coaching side of it. You know, how are you feeling about that? Because there is a lot of work to be done still. Are we are we pussyfooting too much? I, I definitely, I definitely felt that at one point. I thought, you know, it felt like it felt like every other day there was a new name coming out. And I think the bottom of that was Roberto Mar- um, Martinez moment in time. Um, when the, I think the ho- that was the one time in the past six months where the whole fan base was horrified and united um, against <laughs> uh, of that kind of ilk. Um, but I, I think you know as as time has progressed, you know it looks like we're heading in a, in a positive direction. And I think we've got to look at it, you know a bit like our recording here, um, which is our second attempt at recording tonight. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think also, you know, you've got to look at this is the second attempt at some sort of rebuild. You know, obviously when we got rid of Poch, we did the whole um, get rid of you and bring someone in the next day. Um, and, you know, that hasn't worked out. So I think Dan Levy's now turned around and gone, let's see if I can make this work to the best of my ability. Obviously, there's a sentimental aspect of it, Poch coming back. Um, but I think it's looking like, you know, we're going down the Antonio Conte route um, and that can only be a positive. So if we end up with the best man for the job and he, and he takes us in the right direction, then no one's going to remember the 50 days. No one's going to remember that. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure United or Arsenal or whatever may have probably wish they waited out for maybe like an Allegri or someone else, you know, of that kind of ilk um, before they made their appointments. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately where, where I stand on it because it did feel like we were about to really appoint someone. It looked like that person was going to be Ten Hag, although I really wanted it to be Potter. He got ruled out, I think, around this time last week. Um, yeah, then it looked like it was going to be Ten Hag, who I, I, I really didn't want. I, I wasn't convinced. I didn't like him for rational and irrational reasons. Um, and yeah, like... The timeline goes down that Pochettino has apparently been twerking for us. I think he is actually back in London, but I'm not completely sure. And he's been holding talks with Livy. And it looks like from the leaks that have come out that he's done some pretty bad damage to his situation at PSG, whether he ends up staying or leaving, because he's ultimately said he's not happy with certain things that have happened there. Um, So there have been talks with that and nothing's really come of it. And all of a sudden now. So, yeah, all of this kind of came through. So we were looking like we were about to hire Ten Hag and then Conte resigned as manager because he wasn't promised the funds and now we've been talking and talking and talking with him. And tier one sources, even like two hours or so before this podcast uh, started recording for the first and second time, Pretty much confirms that the deal was almost done. They're just haggling over certain staff wages and and everything like that. And um, it's been it's been said that Conte has been promised the funds that he didn't necessarily get it into. Um, so Dave, I'll come to you first this time. Like Conte, I feel like he was most of our um, first choices once it did seem likely that he was going to join. What do you think he can bring? Because I am actually interested to hear your perspective on this because I don't think he likes them kids. I don't think he likes them kids. He does like his older, more professional players in their 30 plus. That's usually his criteria of signings. 
thirty plus, but you know what can he bring to the team if he is uh, appointed? I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if he does get the role, um, I think the the main thing for me is the fresh ideas. Um, Mourinho, when he came in, his ideas weren't fresh. You know, he, he his style of play has been pretty set from the mid, you know, early two thousands, hasn't it? Um, yes, there's been a few tweets here and there, but we knew what, what to expect with him in that respect. Um, obviously, Poch, before that, the rumours were that he lost the dressing room, players were getting bored with his training style, all that kind of stuff, which kind of flies in the face of recent reports where like, players were excited about the possibility of him coming back. Um, so I think with Conte, what we're going to see is, is, you know, should he arrive at you know Hotspur Lane or Hotspur Way, whatever it's called, you know, we'll see some fresh ideas. And he's shown, especially in the, in the Premier League, He's not afraid to to try new things. You know, we all know the famous story getting pumped by Arsenal at half time. You know, when he's at Chelsea, switches to three four three, still loses the game, um, sticks with that, and ends up winning the title that season. Um, yes, there were mitigating circumstances. Obviously, you know, was it Chelsea didn't have Europe, and there was different things that people feed into that. Um, but I feel like he's shown that he could be that kind of dynamic, and his style has evolved over the few years. Um, his team's score goals. Um, I think I saw a stat that his um, inter-team last year scored more goals than Man City. You know, um, now you can talk about the league quality, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, even even going forward, he's been showing that he can create some really good patterns. Um, I think that's the one thing that we didn't see last year from our team. We saw what they were trying to do defensively. They never executed it, <laughs> but we saw what they were trying to do. But going forward, it was Kane or not. You know, we literally became the the Harry Kane team, like like Pep, you know, said a few years ago. And I think watching a lot of Conte's um, teams over the years, from a coaching perspective, there was definitely an emphasis on you know where to be, at what point, how to receive the ball, what angles. You know, in the kind of ilk of these modern managers, your your Peps, um, and even you know even some of the young ones like Ten Hag, you know, they have that kind of emphasis on. You know, getting you to the final third. I remember Thierry Henry said this about Pep, that, you know, he said, you know, I'll coach you to the final third and then you'll be creative from there. You know, and we didn't have a way into that. You know, and mm. we can talk about some of our players and, and the quality that we have in the midfield, all that kind of stuff. But even still, there was no direction in terms of when we win this ball back, here's how we're going to get out. You know, when, when, when our counter-attack got found out after kind of Christmas, we were really devoid of ideas and that meant even some of our more expressive players like Ndombele or Lo Celso or whatever, they suffered for that. Um, and I think with, um, with with Conte, you're going to see a few players really come into their own um, because he's going to give them the structure and, and the, the resources to be able to work with. Do you mean a chef? Give, give a chef some good quality food and he's going to be cooking. So let's see, mm. let's see Nombele and, and other players that we know have the quality, see if they can just really dig into some real attacking impetus um, uh, and actually the pattern of play, which we haven't seen at, at Spurs since really. I feel like we haven't seen it since before maybe early 2018, 2019. Mm. You know, even the Champions League one, there was a lot of just, you know... Dead football. Yeah, we're in a way for 10 months, was it? You know, yeah, um, but January to, to October, so 
there's definitely been a lack of that over the past few years. And I think that's what I want to see back. You know, we all talk about the Spurs way and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, a bit of a myth anyway. But can we get our bet? You know, we've got really good players up top. You know, Sean, Kane, like I said, and Dombele. And even the likes of Oregon. He he was in no man's land last last season. You know, after, after his injury, um, is he coming? Is he going forward? Is he staying back? Is he, you know, he didn't really have that confidence. So I think he's going to really bring out the best and the better players. And also, like he, like he's already said, in the, I don't know if you've seen the clip where he goes, "If my players aren't prepared to fight and work for me, I'll kill them. I'd rather yeah. have <laughs> I'd rather have twenty two men in my squad than twenty three. That's what I like." Oh man, That's his right. personality can go one or two ways. It's funny because I I have called him a man child. I stand by that from one man child <laughs> to another. But this this is the thing as well. Like what could be equally as interesting, if not more interesting, is um, the off the pitch stuff and how he is with Levy. I I really think this could be could be a really loving relationship, and Levy's just kind of forced to back him because he's realised. Um, that he does need to relinquish that control and, you know, listen and really back a manager as best he can. Obviously, there are financial restrictions with it being COVID. Um, we have secured an investment of £250 from some American banking thing to cover a loan which took out and to help us um, run as a football operation um, again. So hopefully that can help in the market. And um, we've got a director of football, which he worked with at Juventus. And I don't really want to get his name wrong, but his name is Fabio Paratici. I hope I got the pronunciation right. Worked with him at Juventus. Um, It was funny what you say, not funny, but it was good what you say about Ndombele, Dave, because um, what it made me remember is that he, he wanted Ndombele this time last year. And I believe Fabio Paletici was responsible for bringing Pogba over from United to Juventus. And obviously them, them both helped nurture Pogba to what's believed to be his kind of club football peak. Um, so maybe he doesn't hate the kids as much as I say earlier, <laughs> after all. But again, like off the pitch, Sai, how do you think this is going to go with Levy um, and what Difference potentially could Fabio Pelletti well because we've been to- we I mean we've been talking for Luis Campos for yeah. the, oh, probably about a year now on this podcast. A couple mega stallions in the group group chat. Um, stallions. <laughs> honestly, like he he could he could be Bay, he could be like anything. But it, there's been rumours that he might go to another club. I pray to God it doesn't happen. But and yeah, how do you feel the dynamics? I would be with Conte and Levy. Do you think it can work and be prosperous? Do you think Fabio Pelletici would be positive? And if so, how? So this 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 is this is an interesting one because I actually feel like this whole situation is what is is one that Levy has repeatedly shown that he's he excels in. I think if we if we go as far back as uh, Martin Yole. We had uh, Damien Connolly as director of football. Um, brought in some of our most notable players of that generation. Berbatov, Modric, those type of names. And we really managed to build a squad that had a dynamic that really accentuated new ideas. Uh, obviously, a few years into that, 
Comerley goes off, ends up at Liverpool, gets Henderson, all of those type of guys in into Liverpool and the rest is history. So I think Levy has a bad rap for some of his more hasty decisions. But when, this, when the circumstances are right and it requires him to be quite uh, prudent and shrewd and quite decisive in his decision-making, rarely gets it wrong. I think um, we tried to take a shortcut with one day Ramos, getting him in after after winning a Europa League. That didn't work. It ended in our last silverware, but in terms of the dynamic, it just was flawed from the offset. Um, but then that ended up in Harry Redknapp. So, again, a situation where we ended up making the best out of a bad situation and Levy was the one who pulled the trigger on that. Obviously, we look at the AVB situation and having Boldini as, as director of football, there were some positives to come out of that. If you think Dembele came through that, Vertonghen came through that, um, Lloris came through that. So when you really look at the situations that he thrives under in terms of acquisitions and sales and things like that, it tends to be when people write us off and when we feel like we're at our lowest of lows. A lot of people would disagree me, agree with me with that, but again, like we've we've had the director of football role and it usually peters out after two years, but Conte's window isn't going to be more than two, three years anyway. So if we can get it right, then we might see something special. We might, we might. Um, my only concern with um, with Pantigi, like, I mean, we got some pros and cons. Um, just the, like on the surface level of it, I remember Conte under Chelsea when when he was their manager, he was quite homesick because he didn't necessarily have his family there with him. I think they stayed in Italy, but if he's got one of his boys with him, maybe that could be that could be fun for him at least. Someone to bounce ideas off. But his um his recruitment strategy is interesting, Fabio's is. So he tends to love a free transfer. One hundred as opposed to uh, <laughs> like really kind of looking for those like young talents who could potentially suit a team in this certain way um or playing Conte's system as perfectly as possible. So he loves to sign it's like Sammy Kadira, Ramsey, Emre Chan, Adrian Rabio. I, I don't know, like how do you think that would play out, Dave? Because I mean, there are a good few, uh, good Donnarumma, Sergio Ramos. I don't think he's signed a new deal yet. Ramos, Ramos, and Conte, or like, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> to dare is to do. <laughs> really and truly, right? I'm looking at. Um... The one player I'm, I'm interested in is it Demiral, uh, the, the Turkish centre back. I think he's at, he's at Juve. Um, only played 20 odd games last year, valued at about 25 million. Um, I think he'd be worth a shot. And I, I think with with uh, is it Pevatici, um I think one thing that would be good is that, like you said, he's already got a relationship with Conte. He's already built a, a title winning team with Conte. Um, and I think it's going to be a situation where um, I think he can pull a few strings in getting in the players, especially whether it be from like the Italian league, which obviously Conte's just come from, um, whether it be defenders or you know whatever we might need to kind of supplement. Because we obviously we know that Conte needs to be backed with some signings, um, but getting in, you know, it's almost like a Daniel Levy masterstroke. 
he's like, yeah, I'm going to back you. I'm going to get you some signings. I'm gonna, to do that, I'm going to bring in the guy who gets all the freebies. It's dangle evil all over, isn't it? Um, but again, we've got to be honest about you know where we are as, as a club. And you know if we need to look at lower down the market but develop some players, because I think one thing about Conte's system, it, it really, like I said, it brings out the best out of players. Um, mm. You know, you're very well drilled players. You know, look at what um, Victor Moses. We didn't. No one ever saw him as a wing back. Do you mean? But he had a real better wing back than Hudson. Say again. Better wing back than Hudson. Currently. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of, one of um, my guys said that Hudson Odoi runs like a fullback, and I can't unsee it. <laughs> it's just wow. straight line, <laughs> straight line traffic. <laughs> You look at Victor Moses, you look at other players um, over the years where he's, he's caused them to excel because of the system and how well drilled the system is. Um, so I'm not necessarily like looking at these glamour signings that we, we want to see. Um, yes, you want talent. Yes, you want to see someone that you can look at and go, I'm going to trust him with my defence. I'm going to trust him as the linchpin in that defence. Because let's be honest, that's probably the first thing we need to address. Um, but it will be very interesting to see how that how that bodes um, for us in the transfer market, knowing that there, there might not be as much money, but this deal, this loan deal that um, Dan Levy's kind of just secured for us may be able to kind of smooth over some of the cracks. Um, and obviously, we also want to be shifting players. You know, you don't want to be going into the new season with Sissoko still in the team. Um, or in the squad. I'm sorry, it's just he can't be your backup option. He might, he might be our wing back though. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. I've, I've got plans for Sissoko. I can't stop smoking at the moment because I've got an interesting question for you both. Um, so with our current crop of players and Conte coming in, I'm going to exclude Kane and Son from this. But what are the top five players you think of our current crop? Conte could will help. Well, the more players will thrive under Conte. Well, and you'll have to say his name <laughs> if you're thinking of a certain someone. I'll, do you know what? I'm going to go first. I'll say Joe Rodon. I'm going to say Oliver Skip and Pierre Hoybier. That's three, right? I'm going to say Matt Doherty. I think you right. will. And I, I did just say his name as well. I think you will. And... Lastly, I'm really sticking my neck out because I don't think he's going to become a starter, but I think he's going to really improve. Eric Dier. Nah, I don't think. Oh, who wants to go next? Oh, mate. Um, <laughs> I'll give it a go. Ndombele, definitely. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, Reguillon as a wing-back. Yep. Um... Oh, there could be another left wing back that Sessing might come up there yeah, as well. Sessing Sessing um, Heuberg in the sense that it will take a little bit of the pressure off him. Um, mm. Having extra bodies in the midfield, I think the system's going to suit him better. Um, and Tanganga, because he's a utility guy, he can play all across the back three. I think he can also mm. right back and play right back. I don't think he's quite a right wing back. I don't think he's no. got forward but as as a player who has defensive qualities that fit across the line we've even seen him line up at, at left back against Mane and or Salah I think it was um, and, and kept him relatively quiet so I think he's going to really do well um, so yeah that's my five 
Yeah, I like that Tanganga show, actually. If I was to have a sit, I'd love to see Tanganga at right centre-back. I think he would be your perfect. And just sorry, just on that. So my only criticism of Tanganga this season was the fact he was too narrow. Okay, he's not an actual right back. Um, and now it could be said that every time I saw him too narrow, he was playing alongside Sanchez, who was a bit of a donkey anyway. So he might have been covering for him, but there was what I think the Aston Villa game, you know, when we had that 4 4 2 rhombus lineup? Um, mm-hmm. Tanganga yeah. was there, right? And I'm watching the game and I'm saying, look, if they had Jack Grealish in the pitch that day, we would have got punished because he was leaving so much space out wide because um, he naturally goes towards the centre of the pitch because he's a, a centre back by trade. Um, and as a right footer, you know, he's just kind of just leaning into that kind of, you know, he's, he's going towards his partnership. That, that's the kind of way he, he's obviously developed. So I think right centre-back next to whether it's, say, Toby and Ademara or um, Skrunia or whoever, whoever it is that we get in, I think next to a dominant centre-back, you, you form a great unit, we can actually see him thrive. And that could be one of the quote-unquote young players who um, we look at in years to come and say Conte really helped push him on. Mm, I love that shout. I've always thought with Tanganga as well. Like, if he if he was to get like experience and uh, a more suited league, like I reckon if he was to play in like every game as centre back for RB Leipzig, he'd be mentioned in the same breath as Upamecano and Canate and then guys. I really do. Um, it's just a case of uh, staying injury free for him as well. That's such a big yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Post the I, season. Could, I could definitely see him him being the Aspilicueta type in that back three because mm. um, obviously under Conte we did see Aspilicueta playing as a as a right centre mid uh, centre back as well. So most yeah, notably getting, getting getting absolutely destroyed on the back post when we beat them two 0 but. Mm. <laughs> That's to be expected when 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 your centre backs are not not that much over six foot six foot or five ten or whatever. Um, it's fun. Oh yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I I, I do like that Tanganga shout. Um, so I'll nick that. Yeah. Tongi Tongi for me is a no brainer. Um, as as we've already mentioned, there are a lot of modern footballing elements to Conte's style. Um, so I I can just I can just picture him picking the ball up from deep. And playing little one twos up the pitch, like I can, I can see that. Um, and playing as a sort of half wing type player as well. Um, I'd say this one's tough. I, I think it's quite easy to say Regulon because I can't imagine him being as bad as he was this season. Again, if we're going to compare to what we've seen from Conte in the Premier League, Marcus Alonso had a blinder, like assists and goals left, right and centre. And we've already seen that Regulon in the final third is extremely creative and he has an eye for goal as well in terms of just the way he positions himself. He always has options to either pass, shoot or cross. So seeing him develop in that role, uh, I think that would be dope. Um, Steven Bergwijn is the one that I'm most interested for. Um, Mm. Either as like a, a, a sort of a wide forward or dare I say as a wing back because the guys the guys basically played their all season for us anyway so I mean why not why not make the best out of uh, Jose's tutelage and, and fully convert the man and again maybe we see a Victor, Victor Moses uh, regen or whatever uh, as embarrassing as that is um, I think that's four so far I'm, I'm stuck between Dyer and Winks if I'm honest um, 
I know people get onto Winks, but if you find him the right position and the right role within that team, and if you do protect him with three centre backs behind him, what's to say that he can't improve? I, I, just on that shout, Winks. As much as I'm not his biggest fan, you guys know what I say about him in the group chat. Um, I think in in from from what I've seen with Conte's build-up play, because it's so methodical, um, yeah. not at the, not at the expense of creativity. Okay, you're going to have creativity, but because it's so well drilled and pattern based, I think a player like Winks therefore comes into his own because you can tell from Winks is a rhythm player. When the game breaks open and mm-hmm. it's, with them to it and there's, it's all over the place and needs someone to take the game by the scruff of the neck that's not Harry Winks but when you're controlling possession when you're breaking teams down through um, patterns and movements and whatnot, I think he excels in that kind of situation um, which is what we saw when you first kind of came onto the scene you know that pot side would, would bring me with a bit of confidence um, I think when we went to Real Madrid and we beat them I think um, that's the game that I think Harry Winks kind of really came into prominence and you've seen it in his better performances is when we've kind of been had a bit more, um, like I said, pattern to it. And I think that will suit a player with his style of play. Um, whether I like him or not, you know, we'll see what happens. So that's, 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 that's the thing. The, the the pitch gets spread a lot wider when you have three at the back and wing backs. Um, there's more vertical lanes. There's more space for those central players to drop, drop a bit deeper. And again, they're going to have that protection to where... The centre backs, the centre backs might spread that little bit, and him picking up the ball from from those guys, he's going to be able to turn and see a lot more of the pitch. And I think that's a lot of what hinders his game is when when he picks up the ball, if someone's not immediately showing for it, or if 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 there's not a tempo to the play, then obviously he takes a safe option, which for me isn't a bad thing because I feel like recycling the ball is an underrated aspect of a mid midfielder's role. Um, yes. But there's more room to do that if if you do progress the ball more methodically up the pitch. If 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 you're looking for these these really quick transitions all the time, obviously Harry Winks isn't the guy for that. That's where a Tongi or a Le Celso, when he dislodges the crayons up his nose, that's what those guys are there for. <laughs> Harry Winks is 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 to is to recycle the ball and to create a bit of tempo from a bit deeper. So. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm hoping to see something from him. Otherwise, he's going to be one of the prime candidates to get uh, skipped over, if you will. Fun. That's what I'm more ex- like most excited about as well because we've we've um, been bickering like what is what is the formation best suited to our team. Some have said three at the back. I think it was actually only me that said that. I'm not sure. Um, most others, it's four three three. But I think the the base of what Conte loves is a more three in the midfield. He doesn't really like playing a number 10. He almost forced Ericsson there and it didn't work. And yeah, it's just no style where he's very, very good with box-to-box type midfielders and a nice holding, recycling midfielder. And to be honest, that could well be key in unlocking uh, Ndombele and Lacelso playing in midfield together and getting these patterns of play, these triangles, which he, which he really loves in his team all over the pitch. And... Yeah, I'm really excited to see that. So I think it can really work. But bam, that's uh, exciting times. So I really hope that we haven't jinxed it and uh, <laughs> Levy kind of pays his, uh, his staff what they need. Yeah, um, yeah man. Uh, so we're going to move on. We're going to move on. We've got exciting times ahead. 
and not just oh, their wow. managers, but general football. So we've got a few of our players involved in the Euros. Um, we had Joe Rodon play against uh, Benzema last night. He, he did quite well. Um, just trying to think, like, who who could kind of up their market value? Like, I, I do not, this is why I'm, I'm glad Sissoko went to the French like instead of Ndombele now. Because Ndombele is going to be in the summer. He's going to be hungry. Sissoko might be getting minutes for Deschamps, increasing that value um, for potential suitors in the summer. So, I mean, like, sorry, who do you think could shine for us? I'm trying to think who else is in the Euros. Like, Kane, hopefully he doesn't get injured. Um, is it Bergfein and make the squad? Damn, like, do we even have that many players in the Euros? I'm not even sure. We've we've, we've got uh, Mr. Wells himself, uh, Gareth Bale, who technically is an our player because I want that guy out of there, mate. Like the 11 goal contributions do not fill me with any uh, difference of opinion in how his season has gone. It's just been an absolute waste of time. So I, I'm I'm hoping he sort of um, obviously he's. The rumour was that he was going to retire after the uh, Euros and try his hand at professional golf. Um, more power to you, mate. Like, <laughs> just seeing Gareth Bale in, in the Spurs shirt again next season is going to be a bit a bit, a bit, bit weird as far as I'm concerned. Um, send him back to Madrid, man. Like, I hope he has a really, really good Euros and they, they, they realise that, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of space with here for him. Uh, I'm sure he loves him, doesn't he? So... Exactly. Ancelotti like mentioned him like three, four times in this press conference in about twenty minutes. So can't wait for him to go, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, that that that's that's what I'm keeping my eye on for the Euros is to see if Gareth Bale makes a good impression. So Madrid is stupid enough to take him back because yeah, man, it's a waste of time. Put that money elsewhere because yeah, man, like international football for me is is dead in the water. Like all, all the discussion about the England squad doesn't really fill me with any um excitement or enjoyment i think when you when you see when you see things like trent alexander arnold getting injured in a friendly and being out for six weeks with like a a, a heavily um torn quad or whatever you're just like yeah man the season's been too long the season's been too long too congested for me to really feel like there's going to be any benefit to any of our players playing in an international tournament We've got a few others as well. You've got like Ben Davis, uh, Pierre Huibia, Toby Alderweireld with Belgium as well, who could really suit. I mean, would you want them to kind of boost their value in the market or do you think Conte could work with some of these players, Dave? Welsh Mafia Um, or no? The Welsh Mafia is down to one now. Joe Rodon is flying the flag. Um, Bell is probably going back to Real Madrid. Um, and Ben Davies, he might as well retire. Um, um, I don't like him at all. We uh, need a left. Could be worth a little 10 million. Okay, I'll take 10 mil. I'll pack his bags. I'll help him get to Gatwick. Or he tells me which one he wants to, to go. He can go from London Luton if he wants. Um, but no, Ben Davies, you know, it's one and ones, right? I just, <laughs> I can't get any joy watching him play. Um, he's he's quite a negative player in our in our system. Um, he's always been a pretty much a backup. People have talked about this shift to left centre back, but the times that we've seen him play there you know, over the past couple of years haven't filled me with any joy. I think it was the Wolves game when 
we was it Wolves and they I think they equalised late. But all game he was getting ripped. He was getting pulled out of position left, right, and centre. Um, <laughs> excuse the pun. Um, now, obviously, you could say if he hasn't been training there full time, so maybe that's a part of it. But I just don't think he has the requisite skill skill set to to be in a team that wants to be contending for a top four place and some sort of silverware next year. I don't think he's at that quality. He may thrive at a lower uh, league. He's legitimately one of the only players in in our squad who, like, if you ask me if he needs to go, his first name on the list. Everyone else, like, I, I can... I can yeah, see yeah. Oh, yeah. Temper, the I hatred think, for, but he's finished, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with him. Um... So yeah, so Joe Rodon is flying the flag for Wales next year, um, and and I'm okay with that. I think he's is a good talent. I don't think he's going to be starting many games. Obviously, we've got the Conference League where we can he can wear the captain's armband as much as I don't care. I don't, you know, <laughs> he, he can lead. He'll probably be the most experienced player on, on the pitch for some of those fixtures. Um, but I'm I'm thinking about Troy Parrott. So he's playing for Ireland. He scored two goals tonight. Um, I had a quick look at the goals um, earlier today. Did very well. He did get a bit greedy looking for a hat trick um, in, in some of the game as I watched it. But yeah, he, he's he's got two goals today. Can he? I think he probably needs another loan if I'm completely honest. So that's one for the future. Um, also, don't forget our, our like South American um, contingent. So fourth in the South, so they're going out. I think they've got Copa America. Um, fourth is an interesting one because we've all seen what he did for Villarreal. The question is, do we keep him? Do we sell him? You know, we know that they're going to want to buy him and we know we can then get a little bit of change out of him and we need as much, you know, pennies as we can get. So do we do that? Or like I said in the group chat, do we see him as a right wing back? Because we all know... He's, he's, he's getting sold. Like, that... That's the annoying thing with Foyth as well because they've got that fit, that uh, that option to pay 30, 30 million euros for him, I believe. In and around that, which he's probably worth double that now. Yeah, yeah. He's and if he performs well in Copa America, that's why he's worth. Did you say thirteen one three? Yeah, one, one three. three. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pennies. Pennies. Bargain. Pennies. <laughs> yeah. Pennies. So I think, you know, there's there's a few of them out there, and obviously the the main ones. We just want everyone to come home safe. You know, um, you know, Tony Belly side. We just want you guys to come home and get get home to your wife and kids. Um, in one piece, we don't want Harry Kane having another injury because you know when that, Harry Kane, we notice when Harry Kane gets injured, his wife gets pregnant. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, we need another um, Kane child. So I think you know if, if he can obviously have a good Euros. Um, and I even thought about it because you know he keeps going on about I've got all these personal awards, the Golden Boots. I want to win to me as a team. And he's like, oh, I won't be able to get out of Tottenham. I'm like, well, if England ever slipped up and did something right and ended up winning the Euros, give him a taste of team success and then bring him back to Spurs and go, right, now do it here. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go yeah, to Exactly. Give, um, him the, give him the armband. Uh, yeah, yeah, all that. Let him do the team talks. Fuck it out, guys. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Put him back on free kicks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need to... I, don't know. I, hope, he, I hope he just earns a, another well-earned golden boot at a major international tournament. Um he may even pass it across. He may not. It, he may end up just earning a few more, a few more millions for for Man City to, point, to pay for point. him. That's a good point. So watching the in game yesterday, the bits that I did watch, and there was a whole kind of thing. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter. Um, I think maybe one of the commentators or the guys in the studio mentioned about him dropping deep. 
think it might have been Ian Wright said how you know this is not Spurs. We don't need you to drop deep um, to link up play and do all that you know the <laughs> the creative stuff. Now, is it them taking the jab at Spurs, or do we think that he needs to maybe tailor his game for England? Because we do have you know obviously the English the English midfield and you know attacking options are are pretty strong. Um, so maybe he doesn't need to do that. So it'll be interesting to see if he adapts his game in because I saw there's a few times in the game yesterday where he just faded out because he just kept going deep and everyone was like, mate, we need you up top. You know, we got Grealish there, we got Mount, we got well Mount was playing yesterday, but you know they got Grealish, they've got Bellingham. I think you know he he's going to be a real top talent. Unreal. Um, he's absolutely like his potential is is incredible. You know, he's what seventeen years old, and he just got Young Player of the Year in the Bundesliga. Yeah, it's, yeah. Crazy. it's so annoying we didn't go for either, like either him or Eze. But it's, it is what uh, it is. Eze, yeah, Eze is the one that for me, I, you know, and it's sad. Obviously, he's injured at the moment, but um, that would have been someone I would have said, look, in the off season, can we go and do what we a bit like how we did with Delhi? We got him in early, um, and obviously gave what well, he's given us his best few years, you know, to start off with. I think Eze could have had a similar impact in our team. But I don't know how Eze would have worked in a three five two. So maybe it's a you know maybe we'll see you know, we'll see something different. Is that a mention of his name? Even that no, he didn't even come up earlier, so him not being mentioned earlier, is that kind of an admittance to Delhi being gone under Conte? Well I don't I, think he fits in the system though, I think about no, it. So there's, well, there's a lot of comment about him as a second striker, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, that Delhi plays best as a second striker working off Kane. Now, if you're going three five two, do you use that second slot as a second striker of of Kane? Um, obviously, we're all assuming Kane and Son, but you want competition for places. You want um, the ability to change it up in the game. I think we, if Delhi does stay, he does definitely go into that kind of squad player role. Um, and with the Conference League and everything else, not saying he's going to be playing in the Conference League, but we could potentially have again a lot of games. Um, in, in a season where there's going to be injuries, there's going to be people suffering because they've played all the way through the summer after two COVID seasons. We need to make sure we've got you know the bodies on the ground. So it'll be very interesting. But if he does play, it'll be probably a second striker role. Um, again, he doesn't have a ten in, in that system. It, it it depends. It depends on what what happens with Sun. I I think I've always I've always felt like us going back to that three at the back, the three four two one, if you will, um, was our best was our best formation. And Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. 
See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. That he did play very well in that. Precisely. He played on. He played on the left side of that and caused havoc week in week out. So um, I've got hope for Delhi. I think his movement is is always going to be an invaluable asset to have. Um, it's just about having the creativity around him to find him early and find him often. Um, and if you do that, again, if if you've got Harry Kane dropping deep and Son and and Delhi running running into space or uh, sort of linking up with him, I think you've got endless potential in 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 the way that you can build attacks. It's just about finding the right system and the complementary pieces around them to make that work. Um, so for me, for me, it's more important to see what we do with the midfield because I do think. Delhi could find his way in in the good graces of a of a coach who has been uh, torn to pieces by him. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. We, if we as football fans, we say, "Oh, he's a system player," we immediately see it as a negative. But I think you know, players like Delhi Ali are system players. You know, at our pomp with that kind of free flowing. You know, Delhi Ericsson, Son Kane. I remember seeing them when we smashed up Huddersfield. Was it five 0 or something? And we just tore them to pieces like in the first and first sixty minutes of the game, <clears throat> and you know I was I was I think it was at Wembley, um, and their movement was incredible. You know those yeah. front four, no one could hang. With. I mean it was Huddersfield, so you know take that into context, but you just couldn't hang with them. And and you know at point during that kind of run, that was what kind of you know we saw it this year with the Crystal Palace game. You know when when they were playing and, and just movement off the ball. But again, it relies on everything else clicking. When it when it's not, then we see the worst of Ali. That's when we see the flicks don't come off. You see him being a bit more static. Um, so I think, again, you know, is he a player that if Conte finds a, a way in for him, he can thrive because, again, the system brings out the best in players. And he can be the creative outlet once you've got a functional midfield. Okay, Ndombele's in there. Ndombele's very creative and we know he's got a kind of mercurial aspect. We've got a solid base with, you know, Hoiberg or Skip um, <clears throat> next to one other, um, whether they say with Winks and Ndombele. Um, so you've got those those three in, in the middle. Um, and then Delhi playing off Kane or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you go from there. And, and and that's the thing. I I don't think being a system player is a negative. I was I was a massive fan of what Chadley did for us in 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 his short spell with us because he was very productive from that left hand side. Chipped in with double digit goals. Like what more do you want from a guy who's not the most talented guy on 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 the pitch and who is a bit of just a sort of not not a standout in any any particular way. Like sometimes you need those guys to steady the ship and to to make other areas of the pitch uh function better. Um when when you do have wing backs you need guys who you need the front men to know where to be at the right times and what cues to take to shift infield to create that space for the overlap and things of that nature. Or even in some some instances, when to stay wide to create the underlap. So, again, Delhi has shown that he's able to do that. If you give him instructions, he tends to be a better player. Um, whereas when you do just sort of give him free reign to do what the hell he wants, I think he does get a bit gets a bit lax and a bit complacent and showboats that a little bit too much. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think there's definitely room for him as as there is for guys like Burwine to to really show that they're not bad players. They just needed a system and they needed to be coached into players that can be productive. Um, I'm I'm going to side with that as well. I really think now that that's that's convinced me because I remember now that uh, Pochettino did kind of copy. Um, Conte's three at the back to an extent. Yeah. It was inspired by Conte at the very least, you have to say. And Delhi, yeah, like you say, he absolutely did thrive in that and put Conte to the sword as well. So, yeah, hopefully all is, uh, all is well in that. And Conte, for, for that, if he manages to get a tune out of Delhi again to, to levels, yeah. um, to levels he had before, then boy, he, he's going to be the whole Hogan of the new Spurs order, really, isn't he? So. <laughs> I've been trying to ban that reference. Hulk Hogan is is in the mud. He is in the mud. We don't do racist sex tapes around here. Just I... <laughs> he'll be the leader of the NSO. He will. We'll find, he will. A, we'll find a new nickname for him because I am I am fully on board with um with Conte being the Eric Bischoff of the New Spurs order though. Mm. Um, myself and myself similar and, hairstyle uh, though. Precisely, myself and um and Scott Hall need a need a bit of a running mate, so the havoc will run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot to do my criminal record check on Hulk Hogan there, so apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered all these scandals all coming back. I was like, oh no, mate, CRB check got lost. <laughs> oh man, going to mention the Irish guy in the UFC next. Fucking you know. all right. Um, <laughs> On that note, I guess we'll have to move on to this. I mean, I've been dreading this now for the last like 50 minutes. Uh, we've been putting it off long enough, but we've got to kind of do an end of season rewards to an extent. Um, I'll start off on a slightly more positive note because um, we did make a fair few signings in the summer. I thought Mr. Levy did quite well on paper without the benefit of hindsight. Um I'll put some nominees forward, even though I think I know the answer. So we'll have uh, Gareth Bale, Sergio Regulon, and Pierre Hoybier. Who would you say would be the signing of the season? Um, our best sign of the season is the next one, hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think overall, you've got to give it to Hoiberg. Um, he played every minute of every game, didn't he, um, in the league? He suffered a bit as as our identity was lost. Um, he actually had a horrible first game. Was it Everton? You know, he was absolute. Yeah, he was doo doo. Um, Everton, Man City, he got he got exposed. Yeah, yeah, and and I think let's be honest. You know, we're looking at him and you go right. He's he's a good player and you know and great in in moments, but also he does need a lot of help. You know, yep. he seems to be functioning around him um, because he's not as quick as he'd want in, a, in that position. You know, um, Kante would, win, would, would, <laughs> would run twice up, up and down the pitch by the time, you know, Hoiberg gets to halfway. Um, but you just kind of want to support him. So I think looking forward, I think we can hit Bowe as well. He started off very strong and even though the whole team regressed, I don't think his regression was as bad as, as other people, though there were some odd games where you just thought he was horrendous. And say, so, would you second that? I would. Um, only only because I feel like I have to be fair. Um, I think a large part of uh, how to grade signings is is 
a bit of like the need they bring to the team. And obviously, in in that case, I would have probably said Regulon. Yeah, we were all, we were all uh, clamoring for a quality left back, which he did show in in his first first half of his season, anyway, before his injury. Um, but on balance and on on consistency, I would say Hoybier gets the nod, even though I do feel like he's been miscast as a player. I don't think he is as dynamic as some people. Uh, assumed he was. I don't think his positioning is as astute as it could be. Um, I think he is a bit more of a higher up the pitch breaker as opposed to a holding midfielder, which again, some people miscast him as, but I think we had a good a good handle on. Um, so yeah, I need, I need to see a, a vast improvement from him, but as I said, on the balance of games played, consistency over the larger sample size, it's got to be Hoibier. With the shit tattoos, <laughs> <laughs> with all the flash designs, yeah. my word! Yeah, like, he's he... like a fucking sticker book. Swift. <laughs> um. Uh, so we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. So we got the one of the worst signing. Um. This. This could. <laughs> Boy, um. Nominees thrown forwards. Um. Oh, I agree with the Pierre Hoybia being signed this season. By the way, but worst signing. Uh, we've had Joe Hart. Um, I was going to say Joe Rodon, but I think that would be way too harsh. Uh, I'll even throw in Gareth Bale in there again because of the expectation of when he first signed. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone here. I'm not going to say Regulon or Huibia. Um Number two, I help you out, my brother. Number two, you don't need to say his name. No, I was trying to say, you have to say his name. Listen, right? You guys have welcomed me in this season. You've been very good. You've been like brothers to me. But I made a pledge, and I will not say the guy's name until he improves or gets out of the club. Um, But no, number two has to be the clear um, winner and loser in this kind of ranking for me. And to be honest, I'm not trying to like just, just. get him because of anything. I just think, again, expectation. Like you said, we wanted a, le- a competent left-back and we looked at the right-back position and we're like, oh my gosh, Oye, he's making so many mistakes, letting us down, we don't have any cover. Um, can we get someone in who can at least give him a decent level of competition? And we didn't even get that. You know, whether we played him at wing-back a few occasions, um, obviously played him as a more conventional fullback, and he just didn't do it. Um, and the fact that Tanganga, a young and upcoming centre back, was a better option. The fact that even Sissoko, when he filled in there, looked a bit more dynamic than he did, um, was was a bit of a weird one. I think the the low point for me was the Arsenal game and the second derby, where he was just put on toast by Tierney every single time. Um, it was very painful. Um, I hated that it was Tierney as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Like It's one of the ones where anyone else, but the fact that it was in that game against that player... I mean, that's their best player, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. We know what they're going to do. We know they're going down the left. We know he's going to try to get down the line and try to get crosses in. He's a good crosser of the ball. Um, one, one of the better courses of the ball, you know, from a fullback position in the league, let's be honest. Um, so we didn't even expected assists, apparently, as well. Shout out to Dan Cooks. <laughs> so, I think for me, seeing seeing how he just struggled to get any sort of handle in him, um, he doesn't have much pace. I, I don't know what 
the Wolves tax is on on players. But um, yeah, it just it just hasn't worked out for us. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, for me, Gareth Bale, I don't put him in that category of, of the worst because I said to my mate, I said if we get 15 goals out of him, I think that's a decent enough season. He got 14. I think a lot of his play was mismanaged. I think he could have probably given us a bit more over the course of the season, but our, our departed manager had different ideas. So, um, yeah, I, I, it has to be the guy that played at right back. It's a tough one for me, because even though Bale did uh, look great on the stats, I would still pick him because it was just the way he he... He removed himself from accountability nearly as much as Dier. I know when he articulated himself quite badly when he was last on international duty, he did that interview and he, he, he's been a part, a huge part in how bad our season has been, even like more so than Doherty for me because he, he wasn't even fit for the first half of the season. Uh, whether he could have done more or, like, or more or not to be fit. We don't know, but I mean, signing to like to try and like force your way into the first team and try and claim you should be playing while you were clearly unfit. You were dodging fifty fifties. You didn't even want to be touched. You were a bit precious about that until like the final weeks of the season under Mason. Like, yeah, like it, you you could stat pad against some of these smaller teams. That's fine. They just didn't impress me much. And yeah, for me, I'd say Bale. How would you uh, look at Sai? Again, I think I think one of one of the things that I have to always do is uh, <laughs> sort of apply the context of what what my expectations were. Uh, I didn't expect anything from Doherty, to be honest. I thought Tobes gassed him up uh, to no end, and I just didn't see it. Um, he was to be fair, I, I thought he was going to do really good. Uh, As a Mourinho signing as well, because I used it as justification for Mourinho's being backed, because he was clearly like one of at least one of Mourinho's top choices. Um, And then he managed to bring him in. It seemed like he had a plan for him at least. And then, yeah, I thought I I genuinely always thought he was destined to be second fiddle. Like Aurier in uh, Project Restart was probably one of the standouts in terms of improvement. Um, the lopsided fullback approach worked really well for him, and we managed to cover, cover up his deficiencies and also accentuate his strengths. Um, and I didn't see how Doherty would fit into that. And again, over the course of the season, we looked best when we had uh, two fullbacks who got back, got forward, and were able to get back. And Doherty isn't that guy. So although he was shit, I can't pick him. Just to be fair. Um, for me, it's, 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 it's that Vinicius Janssen newt, man. Like, that was complete and utter waste of time, waste of money. And the fact that he celebrated every goal in the way that he did just pissed me off. Great what part. is this, this Mbappe regen stretched out? Like, he's like pro club's Mbappe. It's like everyone makes their, makes their guy either really tall or really small on pro club. <laughs> And he's a extra tall, extra lanky, not pacey, not techy, not not anything, just nothingness player. Like, and I hate when we do this thing where, again, like nobody really knew anything about him, but obviously his name sounds sort of cool. So people, uh, hire South him. American, 
Precisely. The, 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 the little screw face, the favela scar, all of that. It's like, <laughs> I can't really, I can't get with it, man. It's, 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 it's tedious. It's like, we're, we're going to go into this summer again, whether Harry Kane stays or not. We're obviously going to try and get a new striker, but we're also going to have that conversation about the backups again. And please, oh, please, please, oh, please, can we stop going for these no-name dons? Like, I'm tired of it. I'd rather us just go and get some washed-up uh, veteran who gets overpaid but delivers just some sort of stability up top when Harry Kane or whoever else is our striker is out of the team. We cannot uh, say Finicius did deliver when he played in most of his games, though. He played He played against uh, Bulgarian plumbers and, and Portuguese farmers or whatever whatever teams we played. It's, it's, it's like, come on, man. Like, Cause it's you not could really... argue he was signed for that. Where did it get us, man? It got us Conference League in the end. Like, we, we got knocked out of... We got knocked out of the Europa League embarrassingly. Like... There was clear lack of confidence in playing him in, in games that actually mattered. He played the qualifiers. He played some of the early rounds in, in, in the cup competitions. But realistically, it's, it's, it's just not... That, that, to me, isn't a backup option. That's not a rotation striker. That's just a body to throw on the pitch because you want Harry Kane not to play. But Harry Kane still ended up playing um, some of the qualifying games for the Europa League. He still played too much in the cups. Like, mm-hmm. literally, literally just Janssen 2.0 with a little bit more Samba flair. Like, it's, it's, it's dumb. It's dumb. I'd rather just see Sun just play as our striker when Kane is out. I'd rather just that because at least you know what you're going to get. It's a name you can trust. It's like blue magic. Like, you know <laughs> you know it. You can get behind it. Like, guarantee it. <laughs> you can guarantee it. Like, it's going to deliver some sort of high. Do you get what um, I mean? That Janssen you, man. Send him, send him back. Send him back. That, that's what I mean. <laughs> Janssen is such an offensive thing to be called because he... <laughs> I don't, like, how, did he ever even score a goal from open play? That was... I think, like, one. But he got even less minutes than, than uh, this Vinicius guy. Yeah. That's one of Poch's biggest failings. I can't lie, man. Like I feel like he could have utilized that that kid a little bit better, man. I need to know why Mourinho didn't utilize uh, Vinicius more though, because I, I felt like he he could have offered more in the league and in the cup. So games against <clears throat> West Brom and Aston Villa, um, Aston Villa obviously much closer to the end of the season, where he was utilized. And I do give him the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, moving to a different country and not speaking much English, having to settle in, blah blah blah. Whereas Gareth Bale didn't need to do that. He knew where his family is. Like, he was accustomed to the league. He knew where the golf courses were. I know another golf joke, so original. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel, I've got a lot of empathy towards um, Vinicius. I've got to it's say. It's the same um, with Jetson, though. Like, like, Jetson got brought in. Because with... I don't think he underwhelmed me in terms of expectation either. I felt like he more pretty much, I mean, it's a slight reach, but he pretty much did what he was brought in to do for me. I think I think it's is is just as damaging to just not be thought of. Like when when you think of this season, can you remember what 
uh, uh, Vinicius highlight is? No, I, I, I forgot about Vinicius. To finish. Um, Marine yeah. standing there celebrating uh, yeah, celebrating happy. like Mbappe. But like, I, I forgot about Vinicius too because uh, Mason decided to cast <laughs> him aside. I, I didn't really get any clarity on that either. But I'm pretty but, sure. Um, I'm pretty sure like Jed, Jetson, Jetson was brought in to babysit for Mourinho and um, Vinicius was there washing his dishes. You know, you need, you sometimes need like household to to know the language, to know the culture, to cook your favourite meals and shit. Like they were they're here on work experience. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh man, I'm so I'm so glad to see the back of that. You like just wow. a waste of time. So we've all said three different names there for the worst signing of the season. So we may have to put that to a vote to the. <laughs> to the wider group, to the audience. So, I mean, yeah, for we were signing of the year, Bale, Dave saying uh, number two. Oh, Dina Grace, and uh, you're saying Vinicius Janssen. Yeah. <laughs> such a hard nickname, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go out there more. Go stick to it, man. Fair play. Fair play. I respect it. I respect it. Um, all right, we'll wrap up with the uh, team of the year. Um a fair few players are going to be self-explanatory in this, but maybe some not so much. There's going to be a certain uh, back line, which is just going to be you know, <laughs> sick in my mouth the whole time just thinking about names. Uh, we'll start with the goalkeeper, team of the year. Uh, Joe Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hello, Gadsonigo. Just a note on Joe Hart, the scout. The one that didn't play. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the one I did. Alfie Whiteman, best hurt. Shoot from distance, it goes in against Joe Hart. Still, still, it's been the same with the past 10 years. It's, it's so bad. Remember Marine when they nearly scored in the first uh, 20 minutes or so, and it hit the bar, and he did turn around and looked like he. Oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he shit his job. I, I despise that guy. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Joe Hart, he was definitely the guy. I just don't mind it. I don't mind if he's a third goalkeeper, but please, not a second choice next season. I beg. I don't care if Conte loves these over 30s as much as he does to have him second choice. I just, I just can't see it. Um, boy, uh, Dave, you want to sit the right back team of the year? Um, so I think he's had a good season, you know. Uh, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, we go for OE. Not extending his contract, but he's been okay this season, I think. Yeah, he, he, he was actually probably better than last season, but obviously not at his best. Um, there were some moments where it did look like he'd, he'd cut out a lot of the errors, but then, you know, Calvo Cup final, why are you fouling Sterling out wide or whoever, you know, whoever it was? Oh, Sterling tore him apart in that game. I was trying yeah, to think of the daring errors he had. Yeah, but no, think about it. Yeah, he tears him apart. Cool, that Sterling does that to a few players or whatever, but mm. why do you foul him by the touch? By, yeah, when, when you know where we're, we're vulnerable from set pieces, um, oh, why do you foul him out there? Like, he does it literally every other game. Um, and and we, he puts us under pressure. The West Ham game, you know, Leicester at home for me was the most rash one when he yeah. did that penalty on a on, uh, Fafana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know we've seen him still have those those absolute meds, but compared to the person I was brought in this competition, he was probably the standout at right back. Boy, um, centre back. Do you know what? Uh, I think one of them one of them is quite an easy one because all in all he's had a pretty good season. I can't remember him making any glaring errors apart from the penalty he conceded against Leicester in the reverse fixture when we 
in our last game of the season uh, in Toby Old of World. Yeah. He's obviously very limited now, but I mean, compared to the rest, I think he's made the least amount of glaring errors. I think he's it's safe least, to put him in. made the least errors, but, but genuinely, I think this guy is cooked. I want to see him improve next season, just, yeah. Like if, yeah. if he leaves too, I'll be a happy man. Mate. I'll be he's a happy he's man. a player that needs to now be bailed out by his his players around him. Not bailed out, yeah. but protected. <clears throat> no, he's not a leader. He doesn't. He doesn't communicate. He doesn't talk. He doesn't command the line. Like I'm tired of it. It's he was never Yan in the first place. So yeah, he's another one of those guys, man. At this point, at this point, he's living off a a. A, a sort of reputation that has been gone for like almost three years for me, but yeah, well, he's he's the best of a bad bunch. But uh, Dai is what's it called the other guy in that partnership, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Um, only based off these kind of first half of the season where he was in everyone's team of the year, so obviously the team of the calendar year. Um, he was in England squad after England squad. Southgate fancied him to hell. Mourinho fancied him. He was playing rather well, even though we could see we were waiting for a mistake from him for a while. But when you look at the other options, Tanganga didn't play enough games. Rodon didn't play enough games and had a shaky start, I've got to say. Um, Eric Dyer is better in the high line. Let's let's just put it that that way. Like even though it leaves space behind and his recovery, you you can't always trust it. He's better when we play on the front foot because yeah, that's the problem. You got to play him in the high line, but then he leaves space behind him, so you need someone who's quick behind um, alongside him. Which he is deceptive. Him. He is deceptively quick. But <laughs> yeah, but again, it's, it's the it's the turn, anticipation. Turn, yeah, he, got, he doesn't turn quick enough. Exactly. So he's always you know half a yard behind the yard that he should have been. Um, which means you've got to play centres next to him because he's got the pace, but we don't ever want to see him play again for Spurs. Yeah, it's the process of elimination. See, like yeah. who else has been there? Who's been performing badly? And then Sanchez is it's been largely indefensible. Um, yeah, I guess it's going to have to be Dia next to him. Us, unless we just do a formation change and just have full backs and one centre back and <laughs> try and pick someone else, um, just be really bizarre Conte tactics. So we um, got your regular Don at, at what's it called? Yeah, Ben Davis left centre back. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a bad game there, to be honest. Um, <laughs> have many games at all. So. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be my choice actually. Second centre back, Ben Davis next to Toby. Oh God. <laughs> um. Boy, so left back. Yeah, the thing is, even in his bad games at the end of the season, there were still moments where you thought, oh, you know, he, he's creating a few opportunities. You know, he just didn't have consistent games that we were so used to seeing him in the first half of the season before his injury. Um, and that 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 can happen with young players, young players who've never had a had to play through Christmas. They've never had to go through those pinch points that we have in in the English Premier League season and especially doing that with an injury but yeah you know he suffered in that respect but we do need to see an improvement next year but there are no other options at left back that are worth a shot none at all none at all (laughs) done right um right midfield 
and or right wing. Do you want to do four three three or what? Or what yeah, what? Uh, four, I'd say four three three is probably yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a toss-up between, uh, unfortunately, Lucas Moura and Gareth Bale. I think our front three, in terms of over the season, that I actually had more confidence in, I would have to say Kane, Son and Moura. Just because... 100%. I think Moura, you know, as, as limited as he can be, he definitely played for the badge. And you definitely got the sense that he really wanted to make things happen. And, and obviously, um, you know, you look at the Crystal Palace game, I think. Uh, there was one other game around that time where he was putting a lot of pressure on, on winning the ball back high up the pitch. Um, mm. Even in the final, the Turbo Cup final, he was, you know, arguably, you know, the one player who was getting on the ball and causing problems. He got, you know, two yellow cards for both their centre-backs, didn't he? Um, and then Ryan Mason took him off for Sissoko or something like that. But anyway... Um, as you do. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think more over the course of the season, um, probably had the better season. Um, Lamella obviously chipped him with, with the, uh, won the goal here and there. Bell got the goals that the others didn't, but Bell didn't play enough, I don't think. Um, so yeah. The Lucas Mora one for me writes itself because I think that, again, the bar was super low in terms of what the expectations were. And he, for all intents and purposes, proved that as a squad player, you don't really get better than that type of guy. Like, you can slap him in a in a more defensive role where you just use his engine to to press people into mistakes. And ultimately, he arrives in the right positions when when Harry Kane drops deep because he ends up not clattering into him on the 18 yard box. So it actually mm-hmm. suited him for for Kane to adjust his role, seeing as uh, his. Mora's incompetence doesn't really allow him to realise, oh, if I bundle my way into the path of Harry Kane, then I'm going to break down an attack instead of uh, helping it. So I think he, he finally found a little bit of a balance and showed a bit more intelligence, to be perfectly honest, on a football pitch. And he was actually quite quite a useful piece over the course of the season. Mm. Boy. All right, then. Um, I, I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree because, I mean, I've got the other option as my, my worst signing of the year, so there's no <laughs> way I can put him in. Um, I like Lucas Moore in. I, I think he's he's just never going to be built for right wing, but if I have to put someone there, again, the bar's on the floor. There he goes. Uh, we're going to move to centre midfield. Um I started holding midfield because it's, again, self-explanatory while well, I'd put in Pierre Huibier. Yeah. Uh, the two midfielders in front of him. And Dombele? Yeah. Yeah. Easy. I, I, easy. I think yeah. it's the third, this third midfield option now where we've got options. So go through Lo Celso, Sissoko, Winks, and... Am I missing Ali. someone? Ali. Ali. Oh, yeah. Deli Ali. Um... I uh... see. I, I think this is interesting. I think this is interesting because we've gone through all three um, like divisions of the team. So your defenders, your midfielders, and your attackers. And at each in each section, you've gone. There's one option where you go. Well, you've got to pick someone. Do you know what I mean? No, like, I'm gonna have to yeah. probably change the formation to a four-two-three-one. Because we did pretty much play that for most of the season, right? And you got the number, another number ten option. In Lamella, 
Um, so you know you've got Lamella, Delhi, Celso, Sissoko, and uh, I can see where this is going already. I've 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 got I've got Winks and Hoybier as a double pivot with Tongi yeah, as a ten. Yeah, go for that. That's my ideal team, to be fair. I just wouldn't call that... A, a, as much as I love... I do like Wings. I do love Wings. But he has not been good this season. And he's put he's put the good soul name through the mud. Like, I don't feel like any of my takes hold any weight now because I've put all of my stocks in him and he's just let me down <laughs> week after week. Um, it's, it's, it's a funny one because ultimately there's there's not been a combination over the course of this season that's actually worked. Nah, like nah. even when we were winning, nobody really wanted to see Tongi as 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 a as an attacking midfielder. Like no one wanted to see that shit. Like yeah. we all clamoured to see him back at centre mid, and then by the time we did. We didn't have anyone to play in front of him anyway, so it was like, all right, cool, we're back to square one. Um, I think, yeah, this season has been a bit of nothingness for our midfield, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah. and I think this is it. Like putting, um, trying to put together, you know, our best eleven from this season shows how many gaps and how many things need to be corrected in the summer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're going back to where we started with, with the managerial appointment. We need someone who can turn around to the board and go, look. This is how crap it is. I mean, look, I've, I've listened to, you know, the Touchline lads. They're talking about us and they've just showed us how many, you know, poor decisions there have been, you know, in terms of keeping certain players on. You know, so, like I said, there's been no real combination at worst. And if I, you know, that midfield is so porous and, and dysfunctional, no wonder we struggled. And, no, you know, the English game is all about midfield. You know, you've got to win that battle. Um, and everyone's got to know how to Thanks, do it. Man. <laughs> well, no, no. From, from you know, even before that, go back to Chelsea. You know, Mourinho's first Chelsea team, even Man United in the nineties. You know, yes, they had you know Andy Cole and then York. They had the, the the quartet of strikers up up top who can bang goals, and obviously Cantona before that. But you know, you, you get the midfield right, and that's a very good starting place. Um, and I think we just didn't get that right at all. Um, and it put a lot of pressure on our defense, and it put a lot of pressure on our attackers. Because they hardly got the ball in some games, you know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curve in here because there are no rules. Um, one of one of our loan players uh, got voted into the championship uh, team of the year. So oh yeah, we're yeah. skipping. <laughs> <laughs> skipping there. Oh boy! I'm so so excited to see this man this season. But well, Alfie Divine, Alfie Divine gets in the team. <laughs> Not after that Fulham performance. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, oh God, I'm excited for Divine's future as well. But if I'm looking at it as a four-two-three-one, and what midfielders have been most effective this season for our first team, annoyingly, I'm gonna have to go Hoybier and Dombele and then Lamella because he's been the best performing out of those names in my opinion as a 10 and I I fall back on the Carabao Cup game against Chelsea where he pretty much just roared us into into the penalty shootout uh, the game against Man United at Old Trafford where he just caused havoc with, not even with the ball he just caused havoc and effectively won that game um, we beat them by so much as well like that. I forgot about that result it feels like ages ago 
And there's been other games where he's been effective. He was uh, probably our only good player when we uh, went out the FA Cup to Everton as well. I thought he had a really good game then. And that, that's when the bar, that's where the bar is. You're picking out like three or four yeah. good games. And that is the criteria. That is what qualifies you to be in that team of the season. It's, it's, it's so hurtful. Like, I, I just can't think of someone who's been more effective because disappointingly, like, but stocks in Delhi as well, but he's not really properly got going. Um, Winks, again, if I'm being objective, I, I can't put him in. Lacelso, had a quite a few good games before he got injured again and then just got nosebleeds for every game he played since. He's a shit Eric Lamella, basically. Like <sighs> less effective. I, I think I think from what I've seen of the Celso before this injury, I, I still have faith in him being a better Eric Lamella. But again, that's where the bar is. Four two three one, yeah, for me, Hoybier, Ndombele, Lamella. I can't believe I've just said that. What is my team? Um, but boy, that's fair. The other two write themselves. I the mean. other two write themselves. First, first half of the season, uh, Son Hongman and um, Harry Kane. Because yeah, uh, Son still in that with seventeen league goals. Uh, yeah, in yeah. a lot of that was that first half he just blitzed his way through but we all knew what was coming we knew he was going to go on that 10-15 game stretch where he doesn't really give us much and I also think a bit like with Bell you know, and I know might disagree with me certain players play better when we're playing on the front foot Son is not great in a, in a team that's playing defensively um, he push us forward 10-15 yards up and he's devastating you know because he can get he can get in behind he's, he's not not, yes, he has got pace, but from you know, as, as an attacker, he's also quick mind. Like his mind thinks quickly, so he he actually has quite sharp movement in and around the box. He can get into good pockets, and Kane picks him up. We saw in the Southampton game where you know we we stepped up the tempo, and what Kane got four assists or whatever to Son, whatever it was. So you know he's definitely <coughs> you know he definitely needs to sign a new contract because you know. However, the summer pans out. Whoever comes in, he'll be a key player for us next year. I, th- I think that son that son uh, situation is is a funny one, man. I think it's but, done. Really. I actually think it's done. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I have no doubt that he'll sign again. Um, just because, again, if we if we do manage to back Conte, I think a, a few heads are going to turn. Um, the the pod where, where we spoke about son being world class. Um, my main thing in detraction of that tag when attributed to Son is he's only really good when he's playing on instinct and I don't think that's the sign of a world class player um, unfortunately like in in those sort of um, decisive moments you can count on him but you can't count on him consistently enough to put him on the on the same uh, standing as say a Mane when he's in full full pump or a Salah when he's firing on all cylinders so when you go down the list of players who have justified that tag over the course of years Son is better than the likes of say a Martial in terms of overall quality and production but he's below the the sort of bar of a Sterling a Mane uh, a Salah for me like and again most of these guys have had poor seasons this year but Son, 
for all for all of the glorious moments that he's had over the course of the season, the same habits have pushed into his game. And as Owen has uh, so eloquently put it, he does at times just look like a luxury player. Um, and world-class players who are luxury need to be hitting a goal a game at least. Otherwise, it starts to look a bit booky. <laughs> this is why I'm excited for him next season as well. Again, like, I think he'll sign... Um, especially if he knows that Conte is coming in and playing under Conte to be facilitated as the luxury player he is and centrally for the most part, that that is a scary prospect. That's yeah. a really scary prospect and he could well end up getting a kind of goal a game kind of uh, kind of ratio. It's it's going to be interesting. I mean, hopefully we'll be able to keep Kane as well when the new Spurs order will march on. All right, lads, I guess we'll wrap up there. Thank you for, for joining me. It's uh, just come up to half ten in the evening. I know we're very tired. So more power to you if you're joining. And, um, yeah, again, just to properly sign off, if uh, you're not in the Discord community, as it stands, you are really missing out. Even though Tottenham haven't really got anything to to smile about, there's been so much going on with the... Uh, with the Europa League, there was tears with Man United. You've got a lot of banner flying each way with the Champions League win of uh, the other team. And then you've got the Euros coming up. And I, I, I really can't stress enough, if you're not in the Discord community, at least in the chats, you really are missing out because that's where all the jokes become... Well, they and all the jokes end up on there before they end up on the timeline. So really and truly, you need to get into it. Um, hit up the main pod as well. All the jokes are there and... Be sure to listen to some more of our pods. It's brought to you by the new Spurs Spurs order. Network.